The views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, advertising partners, or ownership of Forever Communications. It's time for the Tri-State Sports Podcast, presented by Tyson Foods of Obion County and the Hawks Nest. Now, here are your hosts, John Thornton and Jordan Taylor. And welcome in. It is the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Tyson Foods in Obion County, live on RadioNWTN.com and all across our Sports 731 network of Facebook pages, the Froggy 99.3 Facebook page, the WENK WTPR Facebook page, the Union City Sports on Froggy 99.3 Facebook page, and the Sports 731 Facebook page. And, of course, playing back on WENK on Thursday night of this week, as well as, of course, Later loaded up on RadioNWTN.com for everyone to listen to their heart's content. We are back in the regular studios today. Much warmer, uh, Jordan, than we have in the past week uh, in the friendly confines, one might say. And uh, thankfully, it seems like at least up this way. I don't know how it is down in uh, down in the Jackson area where you are, but it uh, seems like finally moving past the ice, the snow, and we're actually just getting rain now. Yeah, you know, you get a little bit of everything. It's West Tennessee, so you get a little snow, get a little rain, a little warmer temperatures than normal for late January here, and obviously, you know, moving forward, uh, it looks like it's going to be uh, pretty pretty nice weather for the for the next week or so, and then another cold front looks like it's going to come in in mid-February, so we always get a little bit of everything uh, living in West Tennessee, and it's definitely delivered over the last couple of weeks. You get all four seasons uh, <laughs> in a week. Uh, that, that happens many times over. Uh, living on in this side of the uh, tri-state. Uh, you can follow me on tw- on Twitter at John underscore MT18. You can follow Jordan at JT underscore 1823. You can follow the Froggy handle at NWTN underscore Froggy. You can follow the Sports 731 handle at, at Sports 731 net. And you can text us on the text line at 731-885-9999. No guest again today. We're trying to kind of get back into the swing of things. Obviously, last week kind of threw all of us off uh, to, with with the weather and, and recording from home and, and doing all sorts of things, but we'll get guests back into uh, the mix as soon as we can. Uh, looking at the local headlines first, as we start the show, uh, really no major news coming out of on the uh, high school basketball front this past week, Jordan, because nobody really played. Uh, everybody was at home due to poor weather conditions. Union City did get to play over the weekend. They played Greenfield in a postponed game. Uh, maybe a couple of those that you may know of, but uh, obviously the Union City's girls lost in a tight one, 44 to 41. The boys uh, all over Greenfield in a big win as well. But uh, other than that, do you know of many that, that played either last night or uh, or Saturday? But Dresden Lake County played last night, I believe. Um, I think I saw a few other finals from last night, but I mean, under 10 for sure, under 10 yeah. games of anybody we cover, uh, maybe under five. I, I didn't see many finals. Um, obviously most schools have been out, were out all last week. A lot of schools were out yesterday and there's even some schools. I know the Jackson public schools are out today. So, um, still trying to, you know, get over all the the icy roads and things like that. But I think everybody will be hitting the ground running if they're not back in school today or yesterday, they'll be definitely be tomorrow. And hopefully John, uh, things will get back to normal. A lot of games to make up, of course, uh, you know, a lot of postponed dates that have been pushed out uh, maybe to the end of this month, maybe even later. And I know uh, I've heard a lot of coaches, we, we get to talk to some of the coaches we cover and talking about having to play three or four games in a week uh, down the stretch right before the district tournament. So going to be going to be tough for some scheduling down the stretch uh, for some of these schools for sure. 
Well, and I, you know, Coach Coach Suter and myself were talking about this on our broadcast on Saturday. Just you don't know who you can get into the gym and who you can't get into the gym on days like this, and so you really don't know once you get your kids back into, you know, a playing type situation, you know, what they're going to look like because you know, you know, he kind of explained how when he coached, you know, you sent out the message of hey, be here if you can, but uh, you never know how your kids are going to react. Are they going to take that as an excuse to not show up or? Can they legitimately not be there because their, you know, their their roads are so bad? You know, it's just a mess trying to unpack all that and logistically a nightmare for coaches who know their team needs to practice, but you obviously want to worry about the safety of your kids as well. Right. I mean, that's 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 the most important thing. And you know, we we uh, Alex and I obviously were talking this morning on his show about you know what is it going to look like when these when when you know these teams start playing again after taking a week off. A lot of these kids didn't get to do anything because. Can't play basketball in the driveway when there's snow on it. So, I mean, there's some in-house workouts you can do, try to stay mentally sharp with what you do. But you can't tell me there isn't going to be at least a little bit of issues for some of these teams when they take the court for the first time after this break. Certainly, uh, Rust, you would think, uh, to, to be sure. Uh, on the UT Martin basketball front, both UTN teams went on the road to Moorhead last week in the midst of everything, and both got really hammered. Uh, they kind of got a week off as now they'll look to rebound this week. SEMO and Lindenwood in town. Uh, they'll try to get back on their feet uh, and pick up a big, a couple of big conference wins. Those would be if they can uh, win those. Tennessee men's basketball, Jordan, had an incredible week last week. Uh, that you beat Alabama, you beat Florida, you beat them both by nearly 20 points. Um, you know, we, we talked about in previous years with Tennessee, you always know defensively what you're going to get with Rick Barnes' teams. That's kind of the hallmark of what they do. But uh, for once, it at least feels like Dalton Connect is a scorer and a piece they have been desperately missing. This guy has just been on an unbelievable tear uh, the last few weeks and currently seems to be the SEC Player of the Year frontrunner. And uh, if he keeps playing at this level, uh, you have to like Tennessee's chances in March. And that's the one thing I told someone, though, you know, a few week, uh, about a week ago, I said, I just hope they haven't peaked early because they are playing great ball right now, but it's January. You want to be playing your best ball in March. Yeah, but I think one positive um, is that they have offensive star power, I and mean, that's something they haven't had. You know, it seems like they've struggled to, for a guy to go get a bucket when they needed it. Um, and this is a guy. I mean, he's he's incredible. The way he can score the ball downhill, uh, he shoots the three extremely well, and you know, he he can get hot and just rattle off 10, 15 points, and, and with no problem. I think there was a, a stretch of a couple games ago where he scored eight straight points or ten straight points. Um, very talented guy. I think this is a piece that Tennessee's been missing offensively. Uh, so I think that, you know, I think it's, you should be excited about what this team's got. I mean, I think they have a really good chance to make a run. Obviously, uh, we know they've underachieved in March, but again, I think they've added a, a piece that they haven't typically had. Well, and it's been nice to see Jonas Idu continue to come along. He is, you know, kind of become the, the, the anchor in the middle, if you will, offensively. Uh, Logan Moore says Dalton Connect is the diamond in the rough. Vescovy and uh, Josiah Jordan James need to step up. Yeah, uh, and I think that was one of the that's one of the things Coach Barnes and, and a lot of people who follow this team know is that uh, you you had a lot of veterans coming back and you had some exciting transfers coming in that you knew were going to be pretty good, but uh, it has been a bit of a disappointing run for for some of your vets, and that's one thing you, you got to get more out of those guys if this team is going to overachieve in March. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's got to be a, a full team effort. I think Tennessee has the talent, uh, the roster to make a deep run. I think I tweeted the other day that um, this team's Final Four ready. It's just whether or not they're going to take that step because they have all the pieces. Yeah. 
Lady Vols getting a couple of wins last week as well as they're trying to kind of – they had a rough non-conference uh, go of it, but they're trying to kind of get back into the, the tournament mix. Uh, Tennessee football yesterday, a massive commitment from class of 2025, five-star quarterback George McIntyre from Brentwood Academy, homegrown talent, and uh, had a great little announcement video that came out. And uh, right now, if you're Josh Eichel, you are loving and licking your chops at what your quarterback room is fixing to look like over the next three to five years. Because obviously you've already got Nico. Jake Merklinger is coming in this year. He's probably going to be the backup at least until Nico uh, moves on. And then George McIntyre will come in in 2025. Um, just a huge get for that class. And uh, if you got a quarterback, that's all. I can cover a multitude of sins, Jordan, and we've seen that already with Tennessee and, and Josh Heupel. Yeah, absolutely. And a tough one for the Josh Heupel can't recruit crowd. Um, continuing to, man, just roll out some guys and bring in some guys that are top talents. And this is an in-state product, which is big for Tennessee. They haven't – at times they've struggled to recruit in-state over the last several years. So this is big to get a guy right here in your backyard, keep him at home uh, in-state and, and, you know, playing football for the balls. Very excited about what this team is doing. I think the biggest thing for me with the program, you know, you want to build the program and have guys to look to in the future – you don't want to just have a guy for a year, you know, and say, oh, what are we going to do at quarterback next year? No, they're they're building this room for the future, which is exactly what good football programs do. So I'm I'm really excited about what Josh Heupel's doing, not only in the portal, but also the, these guys that he's getting out of high school as well. He's doing a fantastic job, he and his staff. Yeah, well, and we, we forget to mention as well, uh, is it Lance Hurd? I forget, forget yeah. his first name. The, the transfer left tackle out of LSU, that was a huge get. Uh, Tennessee has at least – his name's in the student directory. The commitment, I think, is official. So he's coming to yeah. Tennessee. That's a big get out of the portal. Um, team building, which is, you know, how, how you work the transfer portal, how you work high school recruiting is such a, a weird dynamic. And uh, right now, Josh Heupel um, piecing together what looks to be a good roster uh, for 2024. And, and, you know, everybody criticized him for going eight and four last year. And I get it. Nobody liked going eight and four. But I mean, you're in a new era, and I keep saying this, Jordan. Ten and two or nine and three in some years is going to be good enough to get you there. I mean, into the college football playoff, especially if you're an SEC team and you've run run that gauntlet. You know, you don't have to win the conference. You don't have to be undefeated anymore. You just got to get into the dance. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely uh, it's definitely a situation now with the playoff expanding to where you have more opportunities to get in, even if you drop a couple. So. Uh, if you're one of the top SEC teams, maybe you don't make the conference championship, but you're still right there as a top three or four SEC team. You've got a really good opportunity to get in. Tyler Moser says another big thing with GMAC, he's committing early. He's lining Twitter and Instagram up, recruiting other top recruits, expect another great recruiting class with GMAC leading the way. That's very true. And the other thing, you know, like you said about the in-state thing, Jordan, you hope now that you can be able to retain a lot of these in-state guys yeah. because you've kind of got a centerpiece who is an in-state prospect. Right. Yeah. I mean, and like like Tyler said, I mean, you got linemen tweeting at him that are five stars saying, hey, you need some linemen. Help. I mean, that's that's big for Tennessee. I mean, a guy that's liked, uh, you know, in the high school ranks and if he's able to recruit some more guys over to help him out, I mean, that would be huge for Tennessee in the future for sure. Moving on to the Tennessee Titans, who have made a head coaching hire. Brian Callahan will be the new head coach of the Tennessee Titans. He was the Bengals offensive coordinator in the last couple of years, obviously big in the development of Joe Burrow. He's also an offensive assistant with the Super Bowl 50 Broncos, obviously Peyton Manning there. And then he worked with Matthew Stafford and Derek Carr as the quarterback's coach for the Lions and the Raiders in different stint, different stints there. So, Jordan, offense is the decision. Obviously, Tennessee kind of following in the footsteps of many franchises that are going the way of 
young, creative, offensive mind trying to invest in the quarterback position. What did you think when uh, the announcement came out? Yeah, I think offense was definitely the way that most people thought they would go. Uh, most Titans fans, for sure. There might have been some bigger names out there that folks may have kind of anticipated uh, possibly getting an opportunity or the fact that maybe the Titans would hire those people, decided to pass on them and, and obviously go with a guy in Callahan that's got a lot of experience. Uh, you know, the bulk of his experience has come through the Shanahan and the McVay tree. Um, obviously a guy that's just 39 years old, uh, going to be 40 before we tee it off in September, but 15 years already in the NFL. Uh, that's that's huge, especially at that age. Uh, of course, he grew up around the game. His dad, Bill, is uh, you know well-known to be an O-line coach in the league. He's currently with the Browns. Maybe he can recruit him over. Um, so it, it's a big hire for Tennessee. I think this is a good hire. Uh, like I said, I think offense was the way to go. He's a guy that's worked with some uh, big-name quarterbacks as well. Uh, of course, the cons would probably be that, obviously, he hadn't been a head coach. That's always a question mark. Uh, but every good head coach was a first-year head coach at some point. And then number two, he didn't call plays in Cincinnati. Zach Taylor did that. But that's because Zach Taylor is an offensive guy that's called plays. So I think it was a conversation there. Uh, Zach Taylor probably just had the final say-so on what they were going to do. So that part doesn't worry me so much. I, I love the opportunity for Callahan. Like I said, anybody that's grown up around the game, been around the game as much as he has, um, I'm really excited to see what he can do. He, he's developed quarterbacks extremely well. He's coached and been in the quarterback rooms with uh, several great quarterbacks. And he also gets a lot of uh, his receiving core, which, John, when we're talking about the Titans, two things we've talked about over the years that have struggled, quarterback play and receivers. So, yeah, I'm excited. I think it's a good hire. Uh, I thought maybe they might go Slovak out of, out of Houston, but looking at it you know, on paper, I think this is probably the better fit for the future of what the Titans are trying to do. But – I do think that his job really falls on Will Levis' shoulders. Yeah, I was about to go. Yeah, if Will Levis doesn't pan out, I don't know how much how long he'll be around because I mean, they with this hire, they're they're definitely saying that that Will Levis is a future quarterback for the yeah. Titans, and rightfully so. Yeah, that's where I wanted to go next because obviously, I'm like you. I think this certainly says we want this guy to invest in, in Will Levis. See what Will Levis can do. And, uh, I mean, you've drafted a quarterback for the last three years. You can't do that again. Brian Callahan, Logan Moore says, Brian Callahan to the Titans. He's bringing his bags with him. It's called T. Higgins. Do the Titans have the uh, the cap space to afford that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see. And there's a lot of money that the Titans have this offseason. You know, there was an, uh, saw, I've heard a few arguments uh, so far today about this situation with the Titans. You know, should they spend more of their money on the offensive line or at receiver? I definitely think it's offensive line. If you don't give him some protection, Will Levis is going to get killed, and they need to completely revamp that offensive line. They do need help at receiver as well, uh, but I think it starts up front for the Titans to get to where they want to get. Well, it may be a case where you have to slap the Band-Aid on DeAndre Hopkins, give him another one-year, two-year yeah. little deal or something of that nature. And go get one in free agency. I mean, yeah. you could do yeah. that. Go get a veteran in free agency who's out there. Um, I, I don't know <laughs> – he says, Logan Morris says, bring Juwan Jennings home. Well, <laughs> he seems to be doing pretty well out in San Francisco. Imagine right uh, imagine two home guys, though, T. Higgins and Juwan Jennings playing for the Titans, both from Middle Tennessee. That would be that would be fun. That would be. That would yeah. be fascinating. Uh, the, in some Cardinals news this week, uh, they re-signed Matt Carpenter on a one-year contract because they just want to continue to get older for some reason. They did end up giving Tommy Edmond, who's one of the younger guys on the team, a two-year contract to avoid arbitration. So the Cardinals roster – for 2024 turning into shape. And uh, I just pray that it is not the disaster that it was in 2023. Uh, yeah, it, it was. Hey, it was you got to give us your take on the Titans hire too, though. I know you're a Colts fan, but I, 
How do you feel about it? Are you worried? I mean, I, I need to see not what he worried. does first. I'm not really that worried yet. But, again, you look at the division, it's offensive minds and D'Amico Ryans. Um, do you think it's a good hire, though? Yeah, I think it is. I think that's the way you go right now. I mean, you look at it all around the league. Like I said earlier, it's young, creative, offensive minds. And I mean, you saw what Shane Steichen did for us in one year. It totally changed our our you know our landscape. Uh, I mean, obviously Sean McVay, Matt Lafleur. You go, you know, you just go around the league and, and see these young offensive guys that have. I mean, Kyle Shanahan, obviously. Um, you know. Mike McDaniel in Miami that continues to do it, uh, you know, and so, you know, Joe Brady, who, you know, he's not the head coach, but the offensive coordinator in Buffalo who kind of turned that offense around, um, you know, <laughs> thank you, Logan, even though we only saw him play like three games, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think this was a good hire for you guys. I think you had to go offense. I think going yeah. defense was not going to, not going to help you any. You, you sat in defense for, you know, six, seven years now. So. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll get into some of the national headlines of the week after this on the Tri-State Sports Program, presented by Tyson Foods in Obion County and the Hawks Nest. Northwest Tennessee and Western Kentucky, it's time for a career change, and we know the perfect place for you. Tyson Foods in Obion County. Tyson Foods is hiring, and it's easy to apply. Just stop by and see the friendly staff at the Tyson Foods Hiring Center in Union City. Tyson is currently hiring for general production and many other positions, and they are looking to fill all shifts. Come see the team at the Tyson Hiring Center, located off Real Foot Avenue in Union City. The hiring center is open Monday through Friday from 8 to 5. Come be a part of the Tyson team. Tyson Foods is an equal opportunity employer, including disability and veterans. Segment two on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Tyson Foods in Obion County. Uh, We had just finished talking about the Titans making a hire. So that feels one of the Seven coaching vacancies or eight coaching vacancies we had at one point in the NFL. They interviewed 11 candidates before hiring Brian Callahan, and that is becoming the trend in the NFL is just the exuberant uh, in-depth searches these teams are going to, to search for candidates. 15 different interviews for the Chargers. Jim Harbaugh is going to interview again. The Seahawks have interviewed eight or have lined up eight interviews. Uh, The Panthers have completed 11. The Commanders have lined up or completed eight interviews. The Falcons have completed or lined up 14 different coaches to interview, including Belichick twice. Jim Harbaugh is scheduled for another, and nearly 10 candidates are scheduled for second interviews. Uh, There is some belief going on around the league that it's not Belichick or Buss for Atlanta, but that Belichick has lost some momentum in Atlanta. So, Jordan, any comments, thoughts on uh, these other vacancies that are still open across the league. I've never thought Atlanta and Bill Belichick made sense personally. Uh, I know they have some offensive star power. I just think he'll end up somewhere with a veteran quarterback or an experienced quarterback. Maybe Atlanta would go get somebody like that. But Belichick's getting older. I mean, he's, he needs to be with a team that's in win now, I would think. Um, and I don't think Atlanta's quite ready for that yet. Um, looking at some of these openings, I mean, I honestly thought by now a deal with Harbaugh and L.A. would be done. So yeah. That's, that's, that's interesting. The fact that that's still going on. I mean, with the national championship was the eighth, I think. So we're yep. looking at uh, it's been what three weeks or two weeks since then. So I thought by now a deal would have been done uh, after he won that title in Michigan. I just is that a question mark for you, John? If you're looking at this, yeah, I did read somewhere that they think they think he may bring his family with him to the second interview, and that it's a possibility they could get it done on the second interview, but. 
I'm like you. It is interesting that this is dragged. Um, because Maybe he's too busy trying to add stuff to his contract to make him look better. Well, it certainly seems like he's over. He's trying to play both, you know, ends of this spectrum because I think everybody thought Jim Harbaugh, if he was going to go, he would he would have gone uh, by now. But uh, I don't know. What do you think, Commanders, Panthers, Seahawks? Where do you think those are going to end up? I mean, is there the Panthers scream Bill Belichick? No, the Panthers. Well, Seahawks, the fit. You know, I don't know that the team, the the roster, but as far as what Seattle football is about, then yeah, that screams Bill Belichick. But as far as the roster, no. Um, (laughs) Is there a team that? I mean, is there a team in a worse spot than than Carolina? I mean, and they make bad hire after bad hire. It seems like you know they just haven't had any luck. So. Man, I, I, I just don't – I don't know where it gets better for Carolina. Do you, I mean, do you? Because didn't they trade away some of their b- best picks the next couple seasons? They don't I mean, have their first-round pick yeah, this year. Chicago that's has it. That's what I thought. So, that's not good. No. Sorry, Bryce. I mean, again, I think you got to go offense there. you got to get someone in there who, who can help develop Bryce Young. Uh, I mean, I think that's – and I think Washington has to go uh, – has to go offense. I think, I mean, because they're probably going to draft a quarterback I mean, with their pick. Um, so that just makes the most sense. Um, the name a lot of Washington fans I've talked to keep wanting is Ben Johnson out of Detroit, who I know is, you know, they're still on their run. We'll get into that here in the next segment. But uh, he's a hot name. And obviously you mentioned, uh, uh, how do you say his name? The Texans guy. Um, Slovic. Slovic, yes. Yeah. Uh, he's another one that, that's been the hot, a hot name as well. So, I don't know, um, but I, I don't envy anyone who wants to take that Carolina job right now. That just, no. gosh, good luck, good luck, yeah. Hey, but I'll take the buyout. I'll I'll get hired and then get fired, and they pay me out, guaranteed yeah. contract. Uh, one name we did not mention: the Raiders' job is now closed. Antonio Pierce was given the full time job for the Raiders, so I think a lot of players in that locker room are excited about that. Uh, the Eagles have fired not just defensive coordinator Sean Desai, but they've said that offense coordinator. Brian Johnson is not going to return. The Eagles apparently will interview Ron Rivera uh, for the D.C. position. Brandon Graham said he will come back to Philly for one last season. Uh, The Cowboys have announced that they are going to retain Mike McCarthy through the remainder of his current deal. That expires after this coming season. So, Jordan, we were sitting here a week ago. We were pretty convinced that Mike McCarthy had to go. Jerry Jones, not so much. And so another year for Cowboys fans of saying, can he get us past a playoff? Can he win a play, can he win more than one playoff game? Do not, if you're not going to move on for Mike McCarthy, something has to happen. Something has to change. You can't roll out the same exact team out there and expect a, a, a different result. Something's going on in that locker room. Um, that's just how I feel. I told you last week I think there has to be a change. Usually that falls on the head coach's shoulders, and he's the one that gets the ax, even if maybe he's not the most deserving. Um, let's look at the quarterback position. That's where I'm at now. I mean, let's let's think about what we want to do there moving forward. What does that look like in Dallas, in your opinion? Well, uh, I, I mean, you got Dak on such a huge deal. I, I don't know yeah. how you how you do the the calculus on that. But another position, I think, you know, and I don't just say this because I had a lot of fantasy stock in him, but uh, Tony Pollard did not prove that he can be a lead back this year. Uh, no, he didn't. You know, and so. I know, you know, we had the whole breakup with Zeke and all that, but uh, everybody thought Tony was fixed to have a big year. Yes, and it was not a big year for him. Yeah. So I think maybe you go and invest in that. 
maybe you can get someone good for cheap because, you know, they're going great for running backs. It's not very good right now. Um, and, they're, you know, Derrick Henry's going to be out there. Austin Eckler's contract is coming up. He's going to be out there. I mean, there's going to be some big names who are available. So, I, I don't know. I think maybe you upgrade that. But, I mean, the offense, you've got a capable quarterback. You've got some really good receivers, and you've got three all-pros on your offensive line. At, at this point, in, in your defense, the past two years has been just a turnover machine. Uh, I don't – I mean – it, it just comes down to you got to win the postseason. I, I don't. I don't know where where else to look for Dallas. Um, yeah, that's true. That's true. So, I mean, it's it's. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's bigger than the situation when they're playing for Dallas in the playoffs. Maybe the pressure is just too much. I mean, obviously, it's it's got to be unreal to even play there and have that pressure. I mean, yeah. So, so we'll see how it turns out. Obviously, the NFL offseason uh, will turn into big gear in March, and we'll we'll talk more about that uh, as we get there. Last night. Uh, in the NBA, some high-scoring nights for a couple of the NBA's biggest stars. Joel Embiid scored 70 for the 76ers. That sets a franchise high and surpassed Wilt Chamberlain. Uh, Carl Towns scored 44 first-half points. He ended with 62. Uh, the Nuggets and Celtics, the Nuggets ended the Celtics' 27-game home win streak in a thriller last week, and the Clippers have announced that they are going to host the 2026 All-Star Game at their new arena. Jordan, have you seen some of the pictures and the video's coming out of that yeah. arena. Good grief. I don't know how you're going to see from the top row, though, because you got the big Jumbotron. The biggest the Jumbotron anyone's ever constructed, I have to think, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's 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 like those Final Four venues where, like, you can't even see the game. You know, where they put them in the big stadiums. That drives yeah. me nuts, man. I'm like, why even go to the game? Like, you can sit at home and watch it on TV and get every angle. So, yeah. yeah. Money. Well, that, they, got, they got more money than they know what to do with out there, man. They sure do. Um, they they sure do. Uh, in the MLB, the Astros signed relief pitcher Josh Hader to a five-year, $95 million contract. That sets the record for any reliever in Major League history. So, big move there. Uh, in the NCAA, in NCAA football right now, the NCAA is investigating Florida for potential NIL violations related to the recruitment of now Arizona State quarterback Jaden Rashada. He initially signed with the Gators because of a $13.8 million NIL deal. And if you remember, Jordan, uh, yeah. it, just, it was a wacky situation. It ended up falling apart by mid-December. He was asking for a release from his uh, letter of intent, and he left. He went to Arizona State, so he's gone. But $13.8 million on the table for Jaden Rashada, and he walked away from it. Um, and now Florida under investigation, which is not a good look for Billy Napier, who's no. already – Feels like a lame duck entering 2024. Yeah, and, you know, I was talking with a buddy that's a big Florida fan this weekend, and I'm like, man, for it to be your prove-it year, this is a heck of a schedule that you're fixing to face. Obviously, these investigations are, are big in recruiting situation, but on the field stuff, this man's got to try to win eight or nine games to probably keep his job and the schedule. I, just, I don't know if it's going to work out, man. Yeah, it certainly seems like uh, the end is nigh for Billy Napier. Uh, it has been an eventful week in Tuscaloosa. Kalen DeBoer's first week on the job, probably not uh, going as well as he thought it uh, it probably could have. Massive transport for Portal Exodus right now following Saban's retirement. And after Kalen DeBoer's hiring, 30 Alabama recruits or players at least have hit the portal, including five-star quarterback recruit Julian Sayan, who is now off to Ohio State. Caden Proctor, who's a big-time offensive lineman for them. He's headed to Iowa and superstar defensive back Caleb Downs. He's also going to Ohio State. Also going to Ohio State 
Ohio State naming new offensive coordinator Bill O'Brien seemingly Random. out of nowhere. Um, and, you know, I told you when we were talking about, about the news, you know, I, I was like, did they fire their offensive coordinator? I looked and Brian <laughs> Hartline was still on the staff. So I'm like, what are we doing here? Like, what? Yeah. So what do you make of this exodus and some of the moves Ohio State has made here? Anytime you hire a new coach, I think you're going to see a lot of guys transfer out. But when you see 30, 30 plus guys or recruits or guys that are on staff or on roster, whatever it may be, you, there's concern there. I know DeBoer's acting like there's not. He's dealt with it before, but you dealt with it at Washington. You didn't deal with it at Alabama, and that's a big difference. You're losing a lot better players at Alabama. So, I know he's bringing in a, a transfer quarterback with him. That's probably why Sand got out of there and went to Ohio State. Um, but, I mean, you're losing some big defensive presence, you know, a good corner, um, offensive lineman, which I think he, I think Proctor had gotten benched. I mean, he had had an awful first two or three games, and, and Alabama moved on from him before he transferred out. But, but still, you're losing losing some key guys. So, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see what, what happens at Bama uh, with, with the board. I mean, I, I think this is going to be – it's not going to be easy to build this thing and, and keep it afloat to where it was. No, I think he's going to have to be very active in this the, the, the second – transfer from they, the window to fill some of these holes because this is massive. And Saban was the band-aid. They don't really have just a ton of NIL money. They do no. have support. But the fact that you had Saban there kind of offset what you what you had. So now you don't have him there anymore. So it changes things. I mean, he's still there, but he's not the coach. Yeah. So. Well, now Kalen DeBoer is going to have to be working the boosters, shaking hands, kissing <laughs> babies, and, and getting all the donations he can get. Basically, he's going to turn into a politician, you have to think. <laughs> yeah. um, his staff is coming together pretty well, though. He's hired a couple of sitting uh, F- or FBS coaches to kind of join the staff. Obviously, Ryan Grubb's going to be his offensive coordinator, so at least that's kind of coming together for him. But uh, I will say it it is interesting. Austin Mack did not – you know, he's the transfer quarterback you alluded to. Didn't play. Obviously, sat behind Michael Penix all of last year. But uh, just reading through Twitter when that, that move came out um, – Apparently, a lot of people in that Washington program are very, were very, very excited about what they had in him. And so, does that put any pressure on uh, Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson, who are the two kind of incumbents that are up, that are there right now? It's kind of a good point. I mean, I mean, competition's good, as as, as you know, any good team is going to have that competition. But uh, I mean, Milrow's like third in the favorites to win the Heisman next year. It's, to think of him getting replaced, I mean, would be would be crazy. But I certainly a possibility. Speaking of that, Nico, I think's fifth, which is Obviously, a big, big sign for Tennessee on the early, early odds to win the Heisman Trophy. Yeah, I, I just the thing that, that's interesting about the whole thing in that quarterback room is Mac is going to be very familiar with the board and know the system, right? Whereas it's going to obviously there's an adjustment for for Milrow, there's an adjustment for 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 Ty Simpson. And, you know what? Wash. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say Washington loves to chuck it. That's they, exactly, and yeah, Milrow's not good at that. Milrow has, hasn't been. Hasn't been. No. So you almost wonder, are they going to have to go two quarterbacks? Or are they going to have what? I mean, how do you? Because Milrow does give that. you the dynamic change of pace with what he can do with his legs. There, there is no question. He is he is a very gifted athlete, just not a tremendous thrower. And in and, that uh, offense, they like to throw it around. So yes, so interesting. Yeah, going to be interesting to see how uh, how all that unfolds um, at Alabama, Ohio State, though Jordan. A lot of new toys for Ryan Day. Does that ramp up the pressure in 2024? Uh, I mean, I think it does. I mean, again, uh, similar to Billy Napier, I think this is his prove-it year. 
Ryan Days. I mean, he's got to get past Michigan. He's got to be right back in the playoff, which with being 12 teams, you got a good chance. But I think if he don't beat, beat Michigan this year, he's gone. I think that's that's the game that they're watching. Wow. Well, we'll see. Uh, that's their Super Bowl. So, I mean. It is their Super Bowl. They call it the game for a reason out there. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll recap the NFL Divisional Round, which was actually really entertaining this weekend. Stay tuned. It's the Tri-State Sports Program presented by Tyson Foods in O'Brien County and the Hawks Nest. If you're looking for a place to sit back, relax, and have some fun, check out the Hawks Nest in Martin. Each week, they have weekly specials, including $2 tacos on Tuesday, both beef and chicken. Also on Wednesday, check out the best wings in Weekly County with 50-cent wings at the Hawks Nest. Thursday, karaoke and also deals on pizza and many other food items. Also on Friday and Saturday, night be sure to check out live music djs karaoke and more and don't forget folks they're open on sunday so be sure to stop by and support your favorite teams as all the games will be on the tune at the hawks nest 105 church street in martin segment three on the tri-state sports program presented by the hawks nest and tyson foods in obion county we're down to four teams in the nfl as the divisional round is in the books, and we got three really entertaining games. One that was a bit of a dud. We got that one out of the way early, so we'll start there on Saturday. It was the number one seeded Ravens hosting the Houston Texans, and it was a pretty solid game actually for a half. And then the Ravens just went nuts in the second half, twenty-four to nothing. They outscore the Texans, they limit the Texans to two hundred thirteen yards of offense, and uh, right now they look primed. Just from a complete standpoint, Jordan, offense, defense, Lamar's playing well. That defense is so physical, so really good. Um, it's going to be tough for anybody to beat the Ravens right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've, they've kind of – Lamar's kind of silenced everybody. He's playing well offensively, both in the passing game and the running game. Uh, really a dual threat guy after everybody said for so long he really wasn't a passer. I mean, he's really turned it on this year. It's been a big season, MVP season. I'd be surprised if he don't win it. Um, the only team that – I think is when they're at their best is the 49ers that could could beat them, but you know, they've been so up and down at times you don't really know. Um, I don't know, man. The Ravens are really good. I, I mean, we've been saying it for weeks, but obviously, the to me, the clear cut favorite uh, hosting the AFC title game. I think for the first time since the 70s. Um, so they, they've had a very very success a successful year, and I think they can continue that into uh, the championship weekend. Obviously, it's not the way they wanted it to end in Houston, but uh, considering where they were a year ago. Right. What a tremendous job by D'Amico Ryans, and I, I certainly think his name's in the conversation for Coach of the Year. Um, they've got a good on, foundation. I was on team. Years. I was on team AFC South too, man. I found myself pulling for him. It was a heck of a story. CJ Stroud had been playing extremely well, and um, I kind of wanted to see you know young rookie quarterback take his team to the conference championship. Uh, but yeah, what Ryans did in year one is is incredible, and definitely scares me a little bit being in the same division. Yes. As I've told people, you know, watching that when, when CJ went off two weeks ago, I said, yes, and I get to watch this for 10 years now in my division. He will torture my team for 10 years in, in, in the AFC South. Yes, I'm, I'm just thrilled about it. Uh, in the nightcap, the 49ers come from behind late to beat the Packers 24-21. Jordan, I watched this one, and, man, I watched pretty much every just about every snap of this game and just – you felt like for so long this was Green Bay's game. I mean, just the yeah. 49ers were not playing well. And, and, you know, when Green Bay ran the kickback to, like, the 49er 15, 20-yard line, they fumbled it and fell right back on it. I thought, oh, my gosh, this is, you know, it's it's their night. 
Jordan Love's playing great for three quarters. You know, they're they're playing well defensively. Debo Samuel goes out and Brock Purdy reverts into, I guess, some form of Mac Jones, uh, just overthrowing guys, and, and it just was ugly. But you got to give San Francisco credit. They flashed yeah. a graphic up when it was a seven-point game going into the fourth quarter. They were like 0-30 under Kyle Shanahan entering the fourth quarter when trailing by five or more points. They found a way. Their defense got some stops. Jordan Love made some really, really bad mistakes at some inopportune times. And Christian McCaffrey uh, scored a couple of touchdowns, and San Francisco got it done and moves on. But uh, really impressive performance by this young Packers team. Obviously, they're going to come back and and continue to get better. But uh, San Francisco playing with fire uh, Saturday night. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they they did not play well for the majority of that game. And, and, you know, towards the end there, found a way to win it. Um, I was pulling for the Packers as well. I thought that the upset would have been great, but, you know, Jordan Love made a couple of decisions there late. They were very costly and obviously ended up winning to the – or going – they're leading to – I can't get it out – leading to the Packers losing the game. Um, This is what I was talking about, though, just a minute ago when you asked, you know, if anybody could beat the Ravens when they're at their best. 49ers are capable, but, you know, they're so wishy-washy, man. They come out flat so many times. I think the biggest difference at this time of year is quarterback play, and obviously we're taking Lamar over Brock. So if they if they matched up, I think you would have to lean Ravens. But you know, we're kind of learning when it's on uh, Purdy's shoulders. At times, he struggles. Yes, and you know, you lose Debo early in that game. That's a big question mark too. Like he's got to be healthy going into this game against Detroit. I mean, the word is he's fifty fifty. So I mean, is he is he capable of making? big plays and guiding this offense going forward with that, with that Debo Samuel. But now granted he'd have a week to kind of prepare this time around, but I mean, he did not look good once Debo went down early in that game Saturday night. No, he, I mean, he didn't. I mean, it was, it was tough to see what, what 49ers were trying to do offensively after Debo was gone. I mean, it, it kind of shut them down and they were like, it was like they were just lost, like didn't know what to do for a while. Yeah. Uh, they, he definitely seemed lost. He certainly uh, tried to kind of – I don't know. There were just times where I, I didn't know what he was doing. I mean, he's overthrowing balls, and, and but he made enough plays down the stretch. They found a way, and they're moving on. So that that's – you know, but now obviously Debo Samuel's status is in question. Um, but the 49ers back in the NFC Championship game. They'll host it, and they will take on the Detroit Lions, who on Sunday held off the Bucks. 31-23, Jared Goff continued to play well, 287 yards, two touchdowns. Baker Mayfield had a really good game, threw for 349, but two picks proved really costly, including one late in the game that ended up being the final nail in the coffin. Uh, man, that environment, the playmakers the Lions have, their defense was coming up big. That is just such a fun story to watch right now. And I would be totally fine if they beat San Francisco to get to the Super Bowl. Man, that would be so cool for that city, for that team, that franchise. They're back in the NFC title game for the first time since 1992. And uh, it is just such a cool thing to watch unfold right now. It is. And, and, you know, this is – I think this is the latest I've ever been after the playoff bracket set and still have my Super Bowl prediction alive with the Ravens-Lions. And I hope it holds up. I hope Detroit wins the whole thing. Um, just what they've been through over the last, you know, more than a decade, really. But the last decade really has been brutal. Um, had had been forever since they hosted a playoff game, since our parents were kids or not even born, I think. So, yeah. 
it's it's definitely it's definitely uh, awesome to watch this city not win but two but win two or not win but one but win two playoff games at home and have an opportunity to win another one. So uh, I thought Baker played well at times in this game, but I mean he just made the mistakes at the wrong time. I tell you what was interesting was down the stretch. Um, I think there was a video circulating Tampa Bay could have taken another timeout and got the yeah. ball back like thirty seconds left. So that was kind of where they didn't do that. Um, but this Lions team is, is really the city's rallying around them, around them. They're, they're all coming in together at the right time. I think they're going to be tough. To, I think it's going to be a, a dog fight, San Francisco. I really do. Yeah. I mean, you just got to give a lot of credit. I can't remember the GM's name, but him and Dan Campbell, what they have <laughs> built, the vision, you know, that they outlined, and it's not always been pretty. Young, too. Yeah. They're young, man. It was a struggle early on, and, and, you know, and you see what this means to them. And now, you know, the vision comes to fruition. Here they are one win away from going to the Super Bowl, which I don't think they thought they'd ever say. I don't think Detroit fans would ever think they would ever say. But uh, here they are. I mean, they, you know, you've got to give a lot of credit to Dan Campbell, who who had said, you know, look, I mean, I've got this vision. This is what I want to do. This is how I want to mold this team. He's molded it. He's built it. And they, I mean, like you said, young. I mean, you, you look at their playmakers. David Montgomery, Jameer Gibbs, Oman Ross St. Brown, Jamison Williams. I mean, Jared Goff, you know, we wrote him off because, you know, he got traded. But he's still in his late 20s. I mean, he's not ancient by any stretch. Um, I mean, they got a lot of good pieces up front. That They have just done a tremendous job building this roster and putting them in position for, for a perhaps – a Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean that they've done a, a, a nice job making it, uh, making it how the you know carving it out like they want it to be, building a team how they want it to be, and man, they the grit and the passion they played with for for Dan Campbell is just incredible. Yeah. In the nightcap, it was heartbreak again for Buffalo as the Chiefs beat the Bills in, in a wild 27-24 uh, thriller back and forth game all night. The scoring may have slowed down in the fourth quarter, but man, did you feel? I mean, I was on pins and needles. I was hardcore cheering for the Bills to win this game, man. I just, I'm over Mahomes and the Chiefs. I'd rather see somebody else in there. Um, and I really like Josh Allen, but I mean, I, I thought it was cool seeing them use Josh Allen in the run game, which was giving Kansas City problems. They were running the ball well. And then fourth quarter rolls around, Chiefs stop the run game. Bills become one dimensional. I, I mean, I think Tony Romo or, or Jim Nance said it on the broadcast, but I, I tend to agree, Jordan. Probably the best Kansas City's offense has looked all year. The most in sync they've looked. They were, you know, the receivers are actually catching passes and making big plays. Kelsey and Mahomes set a new record for most touchdowns as a pairing in the postseason. Then you had the wild sequence in the fourth quarter. Buffalo fakes a punt when I don't know that they really needed to, but then they catch a break because Kansas City fumbles through the end zone. Um, and, and, you know, I go back to that that Stephon Diggs. I mean, that drop, I, I mean, dude. He yeah, I mean, that was a dime, too. Oh, my God. Right, right there. Dude, I, I just I, – I told someone – I mean, we were texting back and forth. I told a friend, he's become worthless for them. I mean, he, I mean, every time you looked up, it's Shakir. It's the Sheffield. It's one of the tight ends. It's James Cook out of the backfield. I mean, you only really think of Stephon Diggs for, like, dropping passes – Saturday, Sunday night, like he did not, he has not been anything worth for this team in the last, you know, two months or so. 
Which the uh, Chiefs the Chiefs did a really good job defending him, but you know that type of player you have to step up in the big moments. I mean, yes. you've got you've got to come through for your team, and you know we didn't see much of him. No, uh, and, you know credit Kansas City they limited the explosives, and the Bills never really were able to get an explosive play. But nonetheless, another two minutes to go, they were down there, they had a chance, and Tyler Bass misses wide right with under two minutes left, bringing back Bills fans to the Super Bowl where Scott Norwood missed. Wide right as well. Just devastating for the Bills. And so, Jordan, take it away. What, what were your impressions on the game? What, what struck you about, about this one? Another great game, obviously, between two teams that have gone at it a lot. Um, and I really thought this year the Bills would have a good opportunity. I mean, this is the most, you know, vulnerable to me Kansas City team that they've faced in a while in the playoffs. And this is a year that they could get them. They didn't have as much star power, um, you know, Defensively, Kansas City was starting to play good, though. That was the difference. Is the defense has started play, started playing extremely well the last couple of weeks, um, and obviously in the, in the playoffs, mentally, Kansas City is just tough because they're so experienced. I mean, this is six straight AFC title game appearances. So, I mean, it's just tough to beat them. I, I really did feel like all game long, though, that the Bills controlled the game. I mean, in, until the fourth quarter, Kansas City started getting it going a little bit. Mahomes or uh, Kelsey had a big day, of course. Um, I didn't understand the fake punt. Didn't make a whole lot of sense to me there. Yeah, uh, that kind of swung the momentum a little bit. Which then the fumble out of the end zone after that um, for Kansas City. Um, but man, I <laughs> the missed field goal. I would hate to kick in Buffalo. It's windy. It's cold. Um, I'm not making excuses, but in, in that moment, in the you know that pressure moment, um, you got to have a guy that that can come through and make that kick. And obviously, he didn't. Yeah. Uh Man, it just it was brutal for them, man. I, I just, you know, that fan base was so energized, yeah. so ready to go. And I just, man, did I feel awful, awful watching that for them. But uh, nonetheless, Kansas City on to the AFC title game for the, what did you say, sixth straight sixth year? Sixth straight season, yeah. I mean, just, I mean, they keep finding ways, no matter what the situation the- is. They're the, the new Brady Belichick. There. They're the new Brady Belichick pair, Andy Reid and and uh, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, yeah. that's, that's what they do. They they get to the conference championship with the opportunity Super Bowl just about every year. Yeah, that's true. What did you make? Uh, there, there's that, there were some rumblings during the game when they fumbled through the end zone about the talk they may change that rule next year. I don't understand. I mean, we've had that rule in place. You know, if you fumble through the end zone, it's a touchback. Like, what what would you change it to? I think uh, the biggest thing they were talking about was the fact that it changes possession. But I think if you're if you fumble it through the end zone, it should. I mean, that's your fault. I mean, that's yeah. a mistake. That's <laughs> yeah. it is what it is. Yeah, because they, they they say if it goes if you fumble out of bounds anywhere else on, on offense besides through the end zone, then it just the ball spotted there. That's the argument. But yeah. what do you do? You're going to keep it with them, but move it back to the twenty. So instead of a touchback for the other team, they get the ball at the twenty. Why don't I mean? Well, do the offense get the ball at the twenty? Is that how yeah. it's going to work? I just think it's so weird. We're sitting here Leave talking it. about changing that. I mean, That's what makes the game the game, man. Leave stuff alone. Just let, yeah. let, let, let it ride. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've got now two conference title games set up for this weekend. Looking at the NFC title game first, it's the Lions at the 49ers. The Lions now on, now on the road. They've been at home uh, and playing very, very well, but they have not won a playoff game on the road, ironically enough, since 1957, and their opponent was none other than the San Francisco 49ers. And 1957 was the last time they won the it's NFL. It's meant to be, final. man. It's meant to be. It's meant to be. 
Hope so. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll be pro Lions, man, all the way. Um, but obviously there's questions for San Francisco. Can Brock Purdy get it done with Debo Samuel is not ready to go or not 100%? And then the other thing is, Jordan, I think both of these teams really good up front on both sides of the ball. Offensive and defensive lines are really good. So what do you see? Is how, how do you see that going and un, unpacking that matchup? You're right. I mean, I think, you know, that, that's where the game's won up front in the trenches. I mean, you know, really good offensive defense lines on both sides. So, you know, who's able to win that battle is big. I, you know, the quarterback battle is big, too. Jared Goff's got to play well. Um, I personally think Jared Goff will outplay Brock Purdy. It's just, you know, whether or not, uh, you know, everybody will make the plays in the right times. You know, will Purdy, again, have an opportunity in the fourth to win the game? So, I just – to me, man, this feels like it's going to be an instant classic. I mean, yeah. I think it's going to be a, a – two to six point game. I mean, something like that. Very close, uh, possibly a team with the ball late trying to win it. So I'm, I'm excited to watch this one for sure. Yeah. Debo being 50, 50 is, is extremely important as well. Yeah. I mean, obviously we'll get more news throughout the week as that one continues as we get the injury report on him, but man, they've got to have him. I mean, yeah. and he knows they got to have him. I mean, th- th- he knows. And so that will be fascinating to watch. I'm with you. I think this game could come down to the wire. Um, on the other side, it's a star power quarterback matchup in the AFC title game. The Chiefs on the road in Baltimore to take on the Ravens. Kansas City finally got some offensive production that re- actually looked like themselves. Can they get that going? Or is it finally Lamar's time, Jordan? I mean, I, I you know, I feel like this is probably the most complete team in football at the moment. They run it so well. Lamar's throwing it so well. But Kansas City's defense has been awful gritty this year. And so, how do you see this one shaking out? I mean, I, I man, I just, again, like you said, I think this could be a thriller too. Man, I'm trying to think if I want to say this on the air. Um, Uh-oh. I feel pretty good about Baltimore winning this game by 15-plus. Whoa. I do. I know Kansas City's defense has been playing so well, and that's that's a big factor. But I think this is the end of the road. I think Lamar – I think Baltimore – Knows the talk about Kansas City in the playoffs, how they're getting all the attention, how they've found a way to get to six straight. I just think this this probably could be the Ravens' best game of the year. I think they show wow. up. I think they go bananas. I do. Well, give me so give me the Ravens by 14, two touchdowns. Wow. Well, why not? You certainly know the uh the home crowd will be in their favor. Might I, as well take chances here. Why not? I just think <laughs> the, the experience the Chiefs will keep them in it. I don't, yeah. and, and you know, I, I just defense is going to shut down. I feel like that defense is going to shut down Kelsey. Well, I would think, I would hope so. So, what's um, next behind yeah. Kelsey? I mean, that's yeah. I, I am fully confident in the Ravens winning. I certainly would would put my money there, but also I'm a homer, and I at this point I'm anybody but Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Man, I, I don't care if San Francisco beats Detroit or Detroit wins that game. I'd rather see Detroit. Definitely would rather see, see Baltimore. Taylor Swift. You just don't want to see Taylor Swift. Sure. I, I, <laughs> I, I don't I, – I, I just – I'm over it. I'm over all the things. And so, yeah, I, I pray we get some combination of Baltimore, Detroit, or San Francisco. And if you're a believer, a believer in the conspiracy theory of the, the logo, Baltimore-San Francisco is what we're getting. But uh, that's, that's if you believe in – Believe in those things with the colors on that. Give me the lines, the lines and the Ravens. I'm sticking to my initial prediction. All right. Well, we'll see how it plays out. We'll talk about that next week. We'll have a Super Bowl to begin previewing 
uh, next on next week's show. For now, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll wrap up the show with the stock market. It's the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Tyson Foods in Obion County. Northwest Tennessee and Western Kentucky, it's time for a career change, and we know the perfect place for you. Tyson Foods in Obion County. Tyson Foods is hiring, and it's easy to apply. Just stop by and see the friendly staff at the Tyson Foods Hiring Center in Union City. Tyson is currently hiring for general production and many other positions, and they are looking to fill all shifts. Come see the team at the Tyson Hiring Center, located off Real Foot Avenue in Union City. The Hiring Center is open Monday through Friday from 8 to 5. Come be a part of the Tyson team. Tyson Foods is an equal opportunity employer, including disability and If you're looking for a place to sit back, relax, and have some fun, check out the Hawk's Nest in Martin. Each week, they have weekly specials including $2 tacos on Tuesday, both beef and chicken. Also on Wednesday, check out the best wings in Weekly County with 50-cent wings at the Hawk's Nest. Thursday, karaoke and also deals on pizza and many other food items. Also on Friday and Saturday night, be sure to check out live music, DJs, karaoke, and more. And don't forget, folks, they're open on Sunday, so be sure to stop by and support your favorite teams as all the games will be on the tune. At the Hawk's Nest, 105 Church Street in Martin. Final segment of the show today on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by Tyson Foods in Obion County and the Hawk's Nest as we buy, sell, and discuss different topics or trends from the past week, different lists or, or takes that we've seen, and uh, get into some of those to kind of wind down the show. First one on the docket here, Jordan. Ohio. We talked about Ohio State in the national headlines segment. They obviously got a ton of talent in there from the transfer portal. New offensive coordinator. You can tell Ryan Day's trying to revamp things. Buy or sell that this is the year they get past Michigan and not only get past Michigan, but they win the Big Ten. We're not saying they win the playoff, but they win the Big Ten by beating Michigan. And finally, Ryan Day gets some credibility back. Uh, I'm not ready to buy that they'll win the conference. I do think they'll beat Michigan. So I'll sell this because I do think that Harbaugh's out at Michigan. So I'm going to sell it because I don't think they're going to win the conference. I'll sell because I'm with you that they don't win the conference because I think Oregon is the going to be the front runner in the Big Ten, which is weird to say. We that have to talk. Weird. We have to start saying that, but it doesn't even sound right. It does not. But I genuinely think what Dan Lanning is building at Oregon is just terrifying, um, and they're going to be ready to go when they get there. Um, college football will see a first-time head coach win a national championship in 2024. You're talking about first time at the school they're representing, not first time first overall. First time overall. They've never won a national championship anywhere. Hmm. Like as a head coach, at least. Okay. It's interesting. I'm going to say I'll, I'll take the field, but I, I do I do like where you're going with that. I do like where you're going with that. There's some good names that have not won one as a head coach. I'm going to buy because, I mean, you're, you're talking about Nick Saban's gone. And the, the, I'm trying to think of how to word this. The circle of coaches who have won one now, it's small. It's small. Mm-hmm. You're talking about Mac Brown. You're talking about Jimbo Fisher, who's not coaching anywhere. You're talking about Dabo Sweeney, who is so anti transfer portal. You wonder is, you know, if he can ever get Clemson back to what they were. The only real threat is Kirby. And, I mean, we're not I mean, talking about first-time head coaches. We're talking about first-time national championship head coaches, right? Yes. Okay, yes. that's where I got lost. Okay, I'm with you. I'm with yeah. you. So, 
And then that this this take I saw narrowed it down to seven coaches. So one of the one of these seven coaches will be the one to become a first time national championship winning head coach. Kalen DeBoer, Brian Kelly, Mike Norvell, Lane Kiffin, Dan Lanning, Steve Sarkeesian, or Ryan Day. I can see it. I don't think it's Kalen DeBoer, Lane Kiffin, or Mike Norvell. I would put Dan Lanning, Sarkeesian, and Ryan Day above those. Brian Kelly? I don't know, man. I just don't think LSU right now. He's making some changes, man. He is. He is. That's, I mean, that's a good topic. I mean, if it if it happens, then yes, it will be one of those seven. So I'll buy that that question. Yeah. I think it will be seven. one of these seven if it happens. Yeah. Um. It's to me. To me, you're talking about is it Kirby or is is Kirby going to win it with Georgia and make it three and four years or is it one of these seven guys? Yeah. I'm with you. I, I don't think like I don't think Kiffin has Ole Miss in a position to where we, we can legitimately. Think about them. Kalen DeBoer, that'd be quite an accomplishment. I'm with you. I, I don't see that. I don't really know about Mike Norvell, but I cert- I certainly think Landing or Day are probably in pole position out of this group. I, Sark, I need to see what Texas is going to look like in the SEC. I, I just, which I don't think they're going to be bad, but uh, I, I need to see it first. Um, let's do one more and then we'll wrap things up. The Miami Heat just retired Udonis Haslam's jersey. Paul Pierce says, quote, this one given, bro. I'm just saying. Do you buy or sell what Paul Pierce is putting out here? I'm selling. Uh, I'm assuming he's saying he doesn't like it um, because Udonis Haslam's played there for 50 years. I mean, Thank you got to retire his jersey. It would look weird if anybody else wore it. I mean, he obviously was a good player, too, so that helps. But no, I, mean, I think he deserves this. I mean, he gave his all to that franchise. Yeah, I mean, Udonis Haslam was there for 20, like like you said, like 20 years. He wasn't, <laughs> you know, the superstar of the team. But granted, he had a hand mm-hmm. in three championships. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't have a problem with them retiring his jersey at all. I mean, I, I think that's totally fine. So, yeah, yeah uh, Paul Pierce, stay off social media, man. Just I, I like this other one you got on our you list. You going to go for it? Mahomes and Allen. They're gonna buy or sell that that rivalry surpasses Manning Brady. If 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 um, Mah- or not Mahomes, if Allen doesn't start winning some playoff games against them, then no. Yeah, there's got to be some kind of, you know, they both got to they both got to start winning. I mean, I'm, I know win. Mahomes is winning, but both teams both sides have to win some. I guess what yeah. I'm saying. Both have to win for it to be a rivalry. Yeah. So right now it's very one sided. Yeah. Allen's won his fair share in the regular season, but he has yet to beat him. When it matters, so that's the that's the key. That's going to do it for our show today. Jordan, give us the rundown on uh, you yeah. guys' uh, coverage of basketball this week. Our game of the week, Jackson Madison County Schools game of the week, is at Liberty this week on Friday night. Uh, this Friday, the twenty sixth, uh, live cu- live coverage will start at five thirty at Scotts Hill at Liberty in a district matchup. So that's that's our that's our coverage this week. Union City's got three games this week. Union City has South Fulton and Dresden at home tonight and on Friday, and then on the road for a makeup game on Saturday at Gleason. Uh, on-air coverage for us starts at 545 on Tuesday and Friday, and then on-air at 115 for a 130 tip on a Saturday afternoon. So hope you tune in uh, and watch with us wherever you can and are able. But that's going to do it for our show today. For myself, John Thornton, for Jordan Taylor, thanks to all of you for watching and listening. Good afternoon and God bless from the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Tyson Foods in Obion County.